yes, 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 yes! That was a goal! Striker! And another! Bing bang, stick it in! Thank you and good night! What? That was liquid football! It's your old friends at Monday Madness and welcome to another episode of our That Was Liquid Football podcast. Um, <laughs> your old friends, trust me on this one, your old friends Neil and uh, and Jonathan joining you for this one. And Burkbot <laughs> is almost certainly here as well. Isn't that right, Burkbot? Burkbot, are you there? Yep. I am definitely on this podcast live during this recording. <laughs> These aren't sound bites. That's a very odd thing to say, man. No idea why she had to point out the fact that we're not, you know, we don't have basically a soundboard. That's it. very odd for her to say, like, I mean, I don't know what she has to respond to that, but here we go. <laughs> okay, Jesus, calm down. Jesus, women, eh? What's your time of the month? Um, so, uh, I, I don't know if it comes across, but it's a two-man band uh, this week. Um, Burpra will chime in at some points uh, during the show whenever I feel like clicking on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a lot to get through though um, Neil so we'll start off as we always do with around the transfer guff Familiar with this round? <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar with this round, Bar is a load of bollocks. Okay, Rachel, calm down, Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> really, not the issue here. Um, so, uh, if you're not familiar with the round, I've got three uh, transfer stories. Two of them I'm after taking from uh, published um, journals of news, if we can call them that, and one I've nicked off my FIFA save file, which, let's be fair, is more accurate at times. Um, and it's up to my two colleagues, yes, trust me on that one, to decide mm-hmm. uh, if, um, if they're real or not. So uh, my first story is this. Uh, Melissa Reddy of uh, ESPN.com has claimed that Liverpool are concerned that Jeannie Wijnaldum is going to be leaving in the summer transfer window. Now, that might sound strange uh, to most Liverpool fans, but people often forget that Jeannie's uh, agent is Mino Raiola. So that's apparently the reason for the um, concern. Um, so they're thinking that like, they want to have a backup plan in case uh, when it does actually go in the summer. And they are believing that they can get uh, Yuri Tielemans from Leicester. And they've touched base, they've made inquiries, and apparently uh, Tielemans is an option. So we'll go with that. Um, so the story for there is uh, Yuri Tielemans to Liverpool. Second story then comes from a very reputable paper, the Daily Mail. Um, who claims that uh, Tottenham's top transfer target is a striker, namely Napoli's uh, Arkadius Milik, um, who's a big target man and is definitely not a replacement for Harry Kane. I don't know what gave you that impression. Um, so apparently Napoli have set quite a massive transfer fee on his, on his name, um, so much so that Spurs probably couldn't afford the whole money um, aspect of the deal. So they reckon that uh, they might offer Lucas Mora as part of the deal to sign Milik. 
Um, so according to Daily Mail, the story is Milik to Spurs and more going the opposite way. And last but not least comes from The Independent, um, who are reporting on a st- transfer story for West Ham United. Uh, and it's very subjective to if they can survive relegation or not. Um, if they manage to survive the drop, they will lodge bids for uh, Manchester United outcasts, Phil Jones and Jesse Lingard. Because David Moyes is a, is a believer of people, Neil. Okay, He's a believer of people. <laughs> believer in charity as well. Yes, very, very true there. Um, so yes, uh, that story is Lingard and Jones to West Ham United. So those are your three stories. Um, Neil, what do you think? What, what's uh, tickling your brain so far? Well, I'm not going to go with the swap thing. I think that's a whole load of horseshit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? You never really lose traditionally by betting against the patheticness of David Myers. Mm. So um, I'm going to go with the Moisey story. I reckon, yeah, I reckon, no, shit. I reckon the first one. That's the so you're, you're going for a Tielemans to Liverpool as the fake story. Shit, hang on, hang on. No, I'm sticking with my guns. I say the swap story is the fake one. They never happen. So you're, you're going for Mora to, <clears throat> sorry, Milik to Spurs and Mora to Napoli. That's your fake story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Spurs just spunk a huge amount of cash on Mora as well, didn't they? Well, relatively speaking, like 27 million. But the contracts, yeah. He's also one of their better performers. He is. This is the thing. Like, but the problem is that <laughs> that's not a high bar. Uh, not a high bar. Uh, granted, no worry, we, we've, we've got a derby to talk about, so we can put the boot for us anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but the bizarre thing is that I think like Morris played out of position a lot, and that kind of makes his like situation worse looking. What is um, his position? He's been played everywhere. Yeah, Where this is the he? trouble. Like, he's I supposed to be he's, wide right. Yeah, he's one of those. He's kind of like. Funnily enough, he's kind of like Wijnaldum, given that we've mentioned him. Wijnaldum doesn't really have a position. I mean, like, I know he's played centrally in the midfield, but yeah. Like, really? Is he suited It's not there? defined. Yeah, it's not defined. You know, yeah. I, I guarantee you could probably put him like straight through the middle, full central striker, and he'd still be like, no, 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 no. I reckon he could do a job there. To be fair, we did play Wijnaldum as a striker against Barca, so yeah, it, it has been done. Like, it, can, it, can, it is possible. Whether it's good or not, I don't know. But, I mean, we did lose that game 3-0. So, you know, that's, that, that probably explains why we don't do this as often. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think you can blame your choice of centre-forward on you shipping three goals against Barcelona. I don't know, man. We attack, attack, defend from the front, like, you know what I mean? That's how it works. And hell. I know. I know. Okay. Uh, Bert Bob, what are your thoughts on uh, transfer golf? Transfer Guff! Yeah, that's what I said. What are your thoughts on the Transfer Guff? <laughs> so the first one, Melissa Reddy's story about Wijnaldum. Um, I haven't heard you complaining about that, so I'm going to say that's false. <laughs> okay, valid points. Okay, I don't know on. which players Jose Mourinho actually likes at Spurs, but Lucas Moura plays a lot more than, you know, I think he should. Um, yeah, he plays Mora than he should. Oh, Get it? Oh, she's clever, isn't she? She's good. But yeah, I don't think he's particularly think willing to be, like, be let go by <laughs> Mourinho. Yeah, that's what we can just sack her off already, can't yeah, we? Ah, uh, rejects. Finding a place down with West Ham. I, I'm actually just surprised that they think they're going to survive relegation. So, yeah. 
No, I, I don't think that's true. Okay, so uh, what are you going to go so for? Out of all of the fakeness, I'm going to say the Wijnaldum one leaving because I genuinely think you'd be cracking up if you'd heard that. Okay, interesting. Um, so thank you for your answer there, Burkbop, wherever you may be right now. Um, so my, um, as I said, my first fake story uh, comes from The Independent. And sorry, first fake story. What am I talking about? First real story. Jesus, false alarm. First real story comes from The Independent. And it is apparently the double deal that um, David Weiss is going to do to help Man United shift out their, their dead woods. Okay. So Jones to Lingard to West Ham is apparently happening according to The Independent. Pathetic. Indeed. If anything, that should relegate West Ham now. Like, if that's, if that's who you're being linked with, just fucking go to the championship and sign Timu Buki or something. Absolutely. Just or, or just, you know, you can take Phil Jones. Just don't take him, don't keep him in the Premier League. Take him to the fucking championship. Take him to League One. Fuck yeah. it. Like, just, just bypass the championship altogether. Just send it straight down to fucking League One. Like, Absolutely. That's just... The footballing glue factory. Absolutely. Jesus. Um, so, my other real story <laughs> is from the Daily Mail. And uh, they are reporting that Argus Milik is Spurs' transfer target and they're willing to sacrifice Luca Mora to get him. I shit you not. Oh, well, that's the Daily Mail. They're full of shit. Can't even they are full date. of shit. Can't even believe a date in the Daily Mail. <laughs> this is true. You, you, you're not wrong there with that one. But shockingly, despite her not being even in the fucking call, Burkbot wins transfer <laughs> guff again because she rightfully called that Wijnaldum to... Um, anywhere <laughs> is completely bollocks. So, uh, Burkba, well done. Our Lord and Saviour, Arsene Wenger. That has nothing to do with this. I don't know why mm-hmm. you said that. Um, so, well done, I guess. I'm just going to blame Emery on that, to be fair. That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, we'll do that. I mean, that sounds actually fairly easy as it was. So, um, I think we'll just turn off Burkba for the time being. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Neil, are you ready for the Premier League rundown? Let's rock and roll. Is that, if anything, it's been kind of like a lethal amount of football um, because it's just been... I've, I've no, I know only two people who've watched every single game that's been on and like they've not come out of it well. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> this has not been something that they've enjoyed. Like, at, this, at this point, like, granted, one's a Man U fan. Yeah. But um, he's just like, like Man U are picking up really, really well right mm. now and that's the only thing that's keeping him watching football because if they were still playing like they were before he'd have just sacked the whole thing off and stopped watching yeah just bo- he's born <laughs> he's actually managed to born himself he said never before did he ever think he would burn himself out watching football this guy will watch fucking anything now like mm. this is the guy who, after he's finished watching like he, like he watches the La Liga because the La Liga is usually on first La Liga that'll run into the Premier League then some Bundesliga after that then maybe some Serie A 
Mm. So he goes on proper football binges, like whole like complete binges, like and today and like for days on end, like yeah, every day of the week, like he'll just sit down and watch fucking football, and uh, he's getting sick. <laughs> he's getting sick of it. Like holy shit. There's a lot, man, doesn't it? That says a real fucking lot there. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get through this as quick as quick as quick as we can. Uh, we've got three match days to go, but as I said, we, there's a lot of like chaff in these games, so we're not going to spend that much time on it. Oh um, yeah, we're, we've been short, we've been uh, heavy on quality, quantity, short on quality, quality very much quality. so. It's like if Sierra fucking booked this Premier League. Um, <laughs> so um, the first game that happened already by the time we had podcasted before was um, Wolves won Aston Villa nil. We said we'd, we'd talk about it um, on this show, but we're not because it was very, very dull. Um, just a regulation win for Wolves. Villa tried gamely, but they just don't really have the quality, really. Um, and that's kind of the story throughout this entire sequence of match days, really, isn't it? Like, they just don't have enough to stay up. story of their kind of entire season hasn't it yeah a little bit I like mean, like they're complaining like uh like they've been really they're one of the main teams that have been winching about because there's a they're, uh, they the league i'm not sure if you noticed today uh, the league announced today that they're going to keep the five sub rule on until mm. next season yeah um which i love i keep it forever i fucking love the five sub rule i, I like it too yeah yeah and they'll have been the main ones going this disproportionately benefits bigger teams Mm. Uh, but it's kind of like when West Ham were saying oh we should void the season we should void the season when we're like out of the rele- relegation zone by goal difference yes it's sort of like people are looking at Villa going yeah the fact that we have five subs isn't your problem <laughs> it's not even that but weren't Wolves they've got or weren't Villa the team to sign 13 players in the summer so exactly, like yeah. <laughs> it's what I would like to stand on really it's not no, my it, fault that your transfer is terrible. Like. Exactly, that's just it. Like mm. they really, it's a real throwing pasta at a wall kind of way they dealt with their transfers mm. and hoping that some of the pasta that sticks can also play left wing. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, if if you can find a left winger for Villa, I would thirty like I, I would thirty appreciate your input. But <laughs> I think I think with Villa, is. I think the main worry with them is that they are going to get pillaged. They have a few talents. They do have some talent mm. on their books. Man, they're gonna get picked clean. That carcass. Watch, yeah. watch the carcass that falls back into the championship. It's gonna be a fucking shell of the team that we're watching now. Yeah, you can definitely see that for the three teams that are in the bottom bottom three right now. And like, it's fair to say, I think that's kind of where it's going to end. If unless something miraculous happens in the last few games, and um, which we'll obviously touch on later on, but mm-hmm. um, like you can definitely see that there there are good things in this team, but it's just that the team itself is really incomplete. And that's what's really kind of relegated them, you know. Um, we'll get on to like, the other teams like Bournemouth and Norwich throughout this. But um, So, yes, yeah, so Villa lost 1-0 uh, to their, I suppose, their closest rivals now, considering Bromley isn't in the league yet. Um, Watford mm-hmm. won Southampton 3 then was next. And, uh, again, another story of Danny Ings being himself and scoring goals and taking names. Um, and again, notable for a fucking beautiful um, Ward Prowse free kick. Oh yeah, man! He fucking cracked that sucker in. Mm. Like, uh, funnily enough, it was prior to kind of like this game that Southampton were always bigging Ward Prowse up as a good dead ball specialist, and I'd not yes. really seen much of what he could do over the dead ball. And what little I had seen, uh, he was pretty much gasha. Mm. Jesus Christ! Hang our hat on this one, man. He fucking cracked <laughs> that sucker in. <laughs> it was really, really good. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Um, this Hampton team looks really great. It looks so good now, considering that they were like 
relegation threatened for this, their first half. And you could have said, like, well, they could have sacked the manager and got someone more pragmatic in. No, they kept, they stuck to his guns, like, and he, it's, they, he's got them out of the mess, like, you have to say that. Well, they're well drilled. They got back that, like, the one thing about Southampton, they were always really well drilled teams. Yeah. And they kind of dispensed with that at the beginning of the season to try and play, like, more avant garde kind of football. Mm. And in any case, it was like, you should have, funnily enough, they all, they, they got rid of their hard-working nature in order to try and be a bit more like Liverpool with their, like, you know... Pressure. Mm. Um, pressure and, like, real skill, high-skill level football, which is not Southampton's level. And I was like, no, you should have kept the hard-working part. Because that's <laughs> the basis of what Liverpool do. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you try, and, you try and layer the talent on top of it, but they keep getting picked clean, which is their main issue. Mm. But, um, no, they, they've gotten back to what they're good at, and... You know, their run of form since the restart has actually shown, yeah. You know, they yeah, yeah. Kind of up. It has to be said, like, that they have been one of the form teams in the league. Like, they have, like, even in the first like, the three games, they picked up seven points, which is incredible considering the oh, game. Oh, yeah, definitely since the restart. Definitely since the restart, they've really kicked on. Yeah. They're one, they're one of the few teams that, like, came out of a restart, like, in third gear. And mm. like, they've just shifted up. Yeah, it's been brilliant. You know, yeah, not the best, not not the best team, but they are definitely probably one of the top five teams uh, to come out yeah. of the restart. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um, so moving on, then we have uh, Crystal Palace nil, Burnley one, and then moving on, then we have Brighton nil, Man United three, and um, another like it's kind of been the theme of Man United like games because I'm gonna I'm actually gonna talk about one of the United games coming up, <laughs> but it's just been the theme that it's either Bruno Fernandez or Mason Greenwood, and you can kind of see why they are. Doing, they are fitting into positions where that the team kind of needs right now. But as I'm going to talk about like later on, there's still a lot of work to be done in the Man United team. It's just right now, everyone's at a much lower level and they've kind of stayed the same. Um, so they kind of look better by comparison. But even then, when you do have like a run of games like Brighton, Bournemouth, uh, uh, excuse yeah, me, they, Aston Villa, they, they, they they're going to look good. A, yeah, they do have a quite a favourable backdrop mm. uh, coming out of the restart. Yeah, exactly. Now that's not the, that's not to take away from what they've done. Like they've they've had great scalps this season, like against Man City twice, and a few others. It's did just they that like over City? yeah, they did. Yeah, fuck me. I thought only Wolves did that. The Wolves did do the double of the City. Yeah, no, no, I don't only, <laughs> I don't only Wolves did that. Like no, Should City have lost like nine times this season. Like, yeah, it's no, I only actually only realised that now. Um. You yeah, guys have won more games than, or you guys have lost, lost less we've games. Lost, we've lost less game. Yeah, it was after actually because I'm be talking about their game against Southampton. Mm. So I'll kind of touch on that. But it was after that game when I was cheering, I was like, ha, 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 and people are going like, "Oh no, they've now lost more games than Arsenal." I was like, "That's, that's clearly bullshit." It's mad. It's mad um, when you think web, about it. Like. Website tables. Holy shit! It's right. <laughs> exactly. But we'll get um, onto that later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about more about United later on, but again, just a great performance. Bruno Fernandes is the team now at this rate. He is their fucking kingpin. And Jesus it's Christ. Really whoever, whoever, whoever sanctioned his signing needs a fucking bonus, like mm. a proper style league bonus. Like, uh, Actually, he should get a winner's... He should get a medal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah okay. I, I agree, yeah. Um, fuck inspired. me. Has he, has he clicked into that team? Mm. It's it says so much because like he in, in a way like he is that kind of last puzzle piece because he makes he's making everyone else play better around him, and that's really just what they've been missing. It's just that last midfield general to just slot in there and link 
like not even the three like midfielders, but the three in front of them as well. Yeah, I was about to say it's not even like kind of like a midfield general sort of thing. It's more like a a kind of uh, the cog in the machine that gets everything yeah. else turning. You know, he reminds me a lot of Xabi Alonso. Xabi Alonso was incredible for that uh, when he was with us, and just that kind of the way he is dictating the play. It's very much like how he used to do it. And again, we were all the way better for it because Mascherano Gerard, when Alonso wasn't there, they were both kind of like competing for the same spot and that's where the midfield didn't work. But once Javi was in, tasks were delegated, things were organized and things worked and we nearly won a title out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, again, we'll, we'll discuss more on it. Neil, we are going to talk to your first match of the, uh, of the rundown, which is the 4-0 thrashing of Norwich by Arsenal. Um, but back to winning ways, I think it's fair to say. Yes, very, very much so. Some very good performances. Um, uh, but, you know, Bournemouth, while not at the beach, they weren't at the match. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, people will say, oh, the two goals were pure gifts. Um, but I will say one thing. Any goalkeeper that tries a Cruyff turn in his own fucking box <laughs> deserves everything he fucking yeah. gets. Yeah, absolutely. We can all agree on that, let's be fair. Like, that's, that's just taking the piss, like. like um, ah, yeah, no, nah, man, sorry. You, you just really can't. But, uh, no, it was really, really very good. Um, funnily enough, our midfield quite well clicked, um, mm. despite the fact that Norwich had five in midfield uh, as a way to try and kind of choke it off, but we just went around the flanks um, really, really well, which is actually going to be a bit of a theme. I think mm. in our, the next Arsenal game, I'm going to be talking about flank play really came into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's about, <laughs> you can't really say like a 4-0 win is routine, but it was pretty much a routine win, you know. So Bios really came into it, really fucking dictated the co- course of the game. Um, Tierney has already cemented himself in mm. Arsenal hearts and he <clears throat> with his just hard running hard work solid yeah. ethic uh, great balls in good tackling defending loves getting stuck in uh, Reese Nelson started kind of a rare one but he got stuck in as well um, he's usually a kind of more of a sober finisher for mm. us um, yeah that's absolutely brilliant um, yeah I mean, it's, it's been really fucking good. Uh, with yeah. uh, Aubameyang notching up his 50th and 51st goal of his Arsenal career. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant. And he got an assist as well. Actually, yeah, he set up... Um, I think he set up the Cedric goal. The Cedric goal, yeah. Yeah. Which was a, which is a very, very nice goal, I must say. For, so, for someone who's just come on for like the first time in a year. Exactly, yeah. Um, it, but it like... Yeah, it was. But it was, it was one of those games where you're, like your substitute right back is coming on and macking them in from 25 yards with his left foot. Yeah. <laughs> you it's, know, when, when that's coming off, you, you're like, yeah, I've won this. We, we, we definitely <laughs> won this. Like, exactly, yeah. But this is it, like, it, it's, it, that's, the, that's the type of performance they've had. And it's, it's in a way that like, they've been able to kind of keep that form of momentum. Because I think, like, at this stage, they like Arteta knows what type of team he wants. And the personnel is there now when, like, at certain points of the season, you had injuries, you didn't have a complete like, unit. As also that, then you kind of had to play a Louise or a Guendouzi or an Ozil. And the reason I picked them out is because they are now, well, at least with Guendouzi and Ozil's concerned, they're completely frozen out. A very, like, like notable decision. But, like, it, it's kind of shown on the pitch, really. Like, the, like the team, the players that are there are 
like playing as a unit, the more oh, cohesive the, without them. It's been absolutely brilliant. We've gone to a three at the back, um, purely because Louise just can't play in a three. Or yeah. They can't play in a four. It looks vastly more comfortable in a, the middle of a three with two yeah. centre-backs on the outside of them. And I think that was always kind of the plan. Logic, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So we'd have a central defender, which I think would be Holding or Saliba, mm. with uh, Mari to the left, because he's left foot. Yeah. And then uh, a rotating kind of right centre-back um, to his right with the wing-backs. And I think it's curious now, again, we'll get into because it, it was very ob- evident throughout the Leicester game. But how he has the team attacking is really, really weird. So if you, well, not weird, but it's good, it's novel. Mm. So what he has is, he's the wingers. So he's, we're fielding wingers and wingbacks. Um, kind of odd. So what mm. he's have, he has the wingers... What he has is he's he's got Pepe on the right hand side who's left footed. Yeah. And he's got <laughs> Abani on left. Yeah, he's got Abani on the left. So what he has them do is he has them cut in mm. and has the wing back overlap. Yeah. So you've got kind of almost like six in attack at any one point. Yeah, it's really it, good. It's... It's what we do with our kind of like front six as well. In that, in that, like the midfield kind of gets really compact, compact, and like the the Salah and Mane would start out wide. You know, like that's their kind of starting position, if you like. But their actual yeah. direction of play is is towards goal. It's kind of like going like cutting through the line. Yeah. And then when you do have this the the option there, and again you can kind of see it very clearly now when you have Tierney and Bellerin on the pitch. Like now, now that you have those two like zippy players on those flanks. It helps out a lot because now you know the option is there as opposed to being brave and trying to do it yourself. Absolutely, yeah. And also, in particular, Taney has Saka to overlap on. Yes. So Saka is... Mm. Sorry, Saka is the left-sided player who's right-footed. Yeah. As opposed to Pepe who's the right-sided player's left-footed. So when they cut in, they cut in onto their actual... their dominant strong, feet. Strong foot, yeah. With the full-backs overlapping on their dominant feet as well. So you've got, you've got a really great shape there. And then mm. you've got players come, you've got either Lacazette and or, and or Aubameyang through the middle there. It's in central midfield, which is kind of where it's not really working, but Ceballos is really coming. And this is the game where he really started to kind of go, oh yeah, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ceballos and Xhaka as well, they're really, really clicking very well. And it's, uh, it was after this game that um, uh, Arteta started really making noises to the Arsenal board that they should really start talking to Real Madrid. I wouldn't be surprised if we start if we wind up signing him. They have been saying to try and extend his loan for another year. I have been hearing that. Now I don't know if it's per- like, I don't know if they can sanction a permanent deal, but I don't know if Real really care at this stage. They've got they they're trying to like poach fucking white tigers at this rate. Transfer wise, exactly. Um, I think Arteta, sorry, I actually have his direct words up here. He's like, this is something the club will have to talk about more with Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, Ceballos is not liked by Zidane. Yeah, that was you know, established. That's very much established. Zidane is still there. He's going to be there next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anything's going to change. Like, the, the Real aren't, aren't in the quagmire that Barcelona are. So... We'll get onto that. We could get onto that later, but yeah, the North, this Norwich game really kicked on a lot of rumblings that are still going, and a lot have been you, you've touched on Urzel and Guendouzi, and we'll probably get onto mm. that a bit later. 
but it's this Norwich game is where re- things really started kicking on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Which is why I love this game. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it, it's been a good. It's been a good couple of weeks for Arsenal. In fairness, so mm-hmm. you've every way to celebrate. Uh, another good week actually for Newcastle. Would you believe? Um, and I'm shocked to say that because like you, you'd have thought like with Steve Brucey and like the the pasties and the players that they have. They would be <laughs> collapsing after like such a break, but these guys have been fucking amazing. They beat Bournemouth four one, and no word of a lie, this is the most exciting Newcastle team I've seen since fucking Kevin Keegan. Like they had like at any point of option, like they had so much pace in the team, which is again such a fucking weird thing to say about Newcastle. But like, <laughs> but he got like they got like I say maximum who can dribble past anybody. And he oh, did. How did they, how they get him? I'm still I no don't idea. Know. I think that that's, that's on par with fucking Pardew getting Tevez and Mascherano. <laughs> I did. But know, the, the, the fee was on like 13 million. It was a bargain. Like, yeah. nobody just noticed. It was, it was so weird. And the, the great thing is... From now. Oh, God, yeah. I'd say it'd be, there'd be... There'd be people sniffing around, if not next season, if not this season, the next season. That is until yeah. like the Saudis come in and go shit 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 shit. <laughs> it's just like it's like two hundred k a week. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> they making their money on him. Mm. Oh, know? totally. Unless he has a spectacular collapse next season, which I don't see happening, because he's a hungry young bastard. Like he's a mm. hungry player. You, you can see how he plays. Uh, not always the most refined or skillful, but the the work rate and the effort is there, and that's pretty much what you go for with young players. Yeah, uh, especially in a team like Newcastle, where like it's actually easy to have like really flair players like that because, like, okay, like granted they're not the most fashionable team in the world, but they will like. But Brucey gives them a spot. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they 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 soak up defense so much. Like they're able to like once you get an opportunity, give the maximum the ball, and everyone just chase after him. Yeah, you know, curious, kind of way. No, no, it's a curious mix. Like you were saying there that they're <laughs> they're not the most popular. They're not the most. It's a weird, curious mix of kind of homegrown nostalgia with the, yeah. Longstaff, with the Longstaff brothers. Mm-hmm. I always feel that the whole Shawnee and Matty kind of, ah, oh, two young boys, ah, oh, they're, they're proper Newcastle lads there and all this shit. And I was like, oh, that's like shit you hear back in the 70s, you know, where like, or if you go back to like the 60s where Celtic won the champ, well, the European Cup with a starting 11 of players that were all born within nine miles of the fucking ground. Yes, that's like right. Like, that yeah. harks back to that type of fucking era. And then they've got these mad, weird, fringe flair players like St. Maximin yeah. <laughs> that nobody's ever heard of. They paid 30 million for and that everybody now wants. This is <laughs> it, like, it, it, it's such a weird fuck? collection. Like it's, like, it's like half of two teams put together because you've got, like, as I said, the, 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 the grift, the grind, if you like, of, like, yeah. Matt Ritchie like L- 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 Jamal Asells, Fernandez, yeah, Matt Ritchie, the, the least Matt Ritchie, the least flair, the least flair player you could possibly imagine, the anti-flair. Yeah, and he's like playing right back, right? And their other choice of right back <laughs> is Valentin Lazaro, who just runs. Like he yeah. doesn't defend, he just fucking runs. I, I think she knows, I'm wrong, he plays left back. So at left back, you have Lazaro bombing forward and Matt Ritchie going, where are you going, you bastard? Yet? <laughs> it's just fucking pull back like, do you, like, you mind the whole left I can flank. pass the ball to you, please? <laughs> this is nope. it, because the whole right. left flank is Lazaro, say, Maximan, and Almiron, practically. And, like, there's, there's all the pace is on one side of the team, and all the fucking stone is on the other side. Yeah. It's like this team is, like, partially, ru- like, running, turning left or something. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's so like Every odd. time they get the ball, the entire left half of the pitch just disappears. They're like, lads, come on. 
<laughs> but the bizarre thing is, it works. Like, like Almiron is playing great now because, like, he's starting to. I don't know. I, again, I don't know if this is purely because, like, the empty arenas or the fucking the the midfields just generally have been like so open post lockdown. But yeah, he but... has space and he's scoring goals. And the goal he scored against Bournemouth was fucking beautiful. Oh yeah, great! Right. Oh, great, really, really fucking good. But that's what they bought him for. Like he used to score that goal all the time in the MLS where he would just like take the ball, dribble 20 yards, bump, just lift it over the keeper. That was his signature. Yeah. Um, and like now he's doing it in, the, in, in with Newcastle. It's, it's really nice to see. And we say Maximin, like the, the goal that he con- contributed to, which is the long staff goal, just the dribble. Like there was just something um, like, like wonderful about seeing that again. You know, just like, just keep watching, keep watching how he does it. And he just like, right, he, I think he rubs in like three Bournemouth players at that rate. Like yeah, he could have exactly. been... And it was just the, the whole movement, the whole like excitement around them. Like it's great. You need more players like that in the Premier League. Like, um, and like I said, when you have a, like, a team like Newcastle, it's a great spot for him in that sense because it makes Newcastle team just that bit more interesting. And he's going to get a sustain. I think. I think the reason why it's clicking now is that they've all gotten sustained a sustained run in the mm. team. It's clicking now because they all now know each other. They know what they're like. They, yeah. they know how to deal with say maximum. They know how to deal with Almiron, who's just gonna fucking peg it. You know, <laughs> they know how to deal with yeah. They know how to deal with the players who are like all right. Then the instant I get the ball, I'm just gonna pass it out to my left because that prick's gonna just start running. Yeah, not, exactly. I don't even have to look. I'm just gonna go boom, stroke it. You just, out you just know he's going to run, and that's and just, yeah. right. Follow him, right? That's yeah. a tactic now. Follow not even him. That, just instantly get the ball, knock it into a space ahead of him because he's yeah. gonna be there in about four or five seconds time. <laughs> And Joelle's just there going, I'm just happy to be here. Yes, yeah, exactly. he's just happy to be there. <laughs> he and is. He's scoring, he's scoring a fair amount of goals. Now, he scored, he scored a goal. He's not raking them in now, but... No. Like, but it, he, it, he, apparently he, it's his link-up play they like. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the... I, I don't think... He, he's one of their few demerits in kind mm. of like... He has not justified their transfer no. fee on him. No, and they're not, not making. They are not making their money back on that motherfucker. Nobody's yeah. gonna pay them what they paid for him, except for maybe some crazy team in Qatar. Maybe, um, maybe yeah. <laughs> unless if, if the Chinese Super League kicks up a stink again, like that's when <laughs> that's when Joelleton really gets the sun to shine. Yeah. Um, so uh, Everton two Leicester one was a game that happened. Uh, oh slightly upset that Everton. Slightly upset that Everton are doing well, but I mean, what else can you do, really? So am oh I. Usually, I always am um, because why is Everton? Mm. Uh, but fucking delighted that they beat Leicester. <laughs> yes, very important for you guys. In fairness, but uh, Leicester delighted. Leicester do eventually get their act together, which is good. They just had a really slow, fucking sluggish, very sluggish start actually. Which again, kind of surprised that I thought Leicester would have been added. Like, but they just well, they did come out of an added. They did they did come out of the blocks quite well, but it's just they're they've been hit now with injuries. Um, yeah, that's players true. Just being out. Um. I, I don't know. It's it's just weird. They're a very one-trick pony. Shark Tooth doesn't like really mixing a whole lot up, mm. and sometimes you'll just run into a a team that will just they're like, oh no, we know that trick. We know how to play around it. That's yeah. kind of what we're gonna do. Now, <laughs> that makes it sound like Everton kind of like like Ancelotti and Everton masterminded this fucking a. Uh, Get out of jail around Leicester. They didn't. They they scraped it. They scraped it. Yeah. They scraped this two one, but it was very much like Leicester were banging their heads against the brick wall. Mm. They were trying. They they It was one. As I said, it was. It was just trying the same thing over and over again. There was no plan B. There was absolutely no plan B. You know. Yeah. Um. 
This match was fun, though, lads. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but West Ham 3, Chelsea 2. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, this is this guy, this match was fun. Like, this is a good one. Uh, because, like, we had VAR, we had penalties, we had free kicks, we had David Moyes, we had fucking Mikel Antonio after getting drunk at Christmas. Like, this game had everything. <laughs> and, a, and a, one of the best fucking counter-attacking goals you'll ever see. Just yeah. like, because I, I love as well, like, like, um, the, the, the conversation I was going to have about Man United, you can, you can very much say the same about Chelsea, is that their attack is really, really potent, at least at the moment, with Pulisic and Abraham, Giroud knocking in goals as well. Yeah. Midfield options. Giroud. Yeah, always yeah. helps. Always helps. You've got, uh, you've got they, all those um, options. They um, activated uh, today, actually. They activated the one-year extension option on Abraham's contract. It makes sense, really. Keep on the same money, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, that was a very logical idea. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it, it, the like their their front six, if you like, is quite solid because their midfield is, is very packed, very busy, um, and then they just got great flair up front with Pulisic, just like just really showing how good he can be. Um, he's, really, William, he, he's really come out of the lockdown, Pulisic. Yeah, like I, I'd, I've not rated him as a player, and let's face it, our next podcast, I'm going to go back to slagging him off. Naturally, <laughs> this season. But the, the next, three, I'm like, I'm seeing a list of three games we're talking about. He played fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think the difference was he he was nursing a groin strain all season, and now because yeah. of like again, a lot of players have been like this. Like a lot of the flair players have had a knock, and over the season, and they've come out now that they've had the break. They've, they're feeling the benefit of it now, and Pulisic is certainly one of them. Uh, Willian, I idea mark as well because he's like he's out of contract pretty much, like, but he's just he's just having a lot of fun out there, like scoring goals, free kicks, penalties, the whole lot, like. And from the Chelsea fans I've spoken to, they don't really like him, but I guess they appreciate it. They should appreciate his contributions because he's been pretty damn good. He's just not liked. I don't understand why. I think I it's know. because he's not. I think is it. Something like they believe that he's not re-signing with them, like he's deliberately not signing a new contract with them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's something like that. Well, fuck you then, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's something to do with that, really. Uh, but no, he's been great. Like, this this game was just, was just a good bit of fun and, like, pr- could have pretty much save West Ham when you think about it. Like, Absolutely. Just, considering the rest enough, of the teams like, around them. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I, if it's not this game... No, I reckon if they do stay up, it'll be this game that they look back on and go... See those three points. Yeah, that's when we got it. Because it's a run, It was the running they had, like, um, with like, because they are facing more big teams soon. And when you do look at it, like, just to pick up one scalp, especially considering the form of like the likes of Villa and Bournemouth, one scalp was all you needed. And same with Brighton, actually. Brighton needed a scalp off you guys. They got it, and that was it. And um, so, in that sense, like, fuck it, like that. That is just enough now at this point. Granted, it'll be a good bit different when. Uh, you have to like if a Villa or a Bournemouth like pick up massive three points, then the conversation changes. But for now, um, big deal for West Ham, really. Um, so uh, next up then on our list is uh, the overlapping centre backs and their uh, win against Spurs three uh, one. So Burkboy, you've uh, earmarked this match. Uh, you've been quiet so far. What do you've got to say about Sheffield Spurs? Sheffield versus Spurs. This match was mental since the restart. I've been Sheffield, with their overlapping centre-backs and 
yeah, in fairness, like that's the that's been kind of the story of like Spurs lockdown wise. Like Kane's back, get the ball to him, and every single time it's just like so fucking. Out of all the teams I've watched, like uh, Spurs have been definitely the most like lackadaisical. Is that the right word? Like the, the slowest team out of the lockdown. Yeah, all of their players seem to have come back with a lot of extra timber. Mm. Uh, Kane in particular. Kane, Kane does look like... I remember a friend of mine over the lockdown saying that it kind of felt a, bit, a wee bit like Christmas. Because yes. he, he was eating and drinking like it was Christmas. <laughs> so he picked up an extra soda too. And I don't think he's alone in that. No. Um, no he it also not. doesn't help as well that Mourinho's really got the team going through the gears. But the only gears that Mourinho has is reverse and park. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I don't really, eh, I don't really, yeah. it's it just, uh, it, it's hilarious. Now, the way he can, it, it's weird, Jose's lost the ability, it seems like he's lost the ability to even set up a defence. And that was one of his major, kind of, that was his ace up the sleeve and that, Jose was just so defense-minded. Mm. Um, I think in you know, one of our previous podcasts many years ago, um, I, I stated that um, if you look at Jose on the sidelines, I think it was when he was uh, in charge of Chelsea, mm. that he just, the whole time when he's on the sidelines, he's just looking back at his defense. Sounds like the, the attackers, the attacking midfielders, they can go and do it the fuck they want. He really, he really even coaches them. But it's when the ball starts coming at his defense, his defensive midfield and his goalkeeper, and that's when he starts shouting and fucking screaming and meh. But um, yeah, no, they're just... And they're also, their players are just terrible now. They've really gotten on. Yeah. Like, Dyer, all... Dyer is really out to live up to his name. Mm. Um, Area is not a bad player. And, you know, Arsenal fans saying that about a Spurs player, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but the thing is, is that he's to cover like almost, I think it's either him or Sissoko has to cover the entire right wing Mm. Whilst all, whilst Aurier is also one of their sole creative out, outputs, so I'm like, yeah, if they're really at, like, if he was fucking Lionel Messi, he wouldn't be able to do the job they're asking of him, and he's not. Lionel no, he's Messi. not. That that is abundantly clear. That is yeah. not the case. Um, um, Lucas is not doing it either. Suzuko not really. That's just not fucking. There's nothing. There's nothing really happening with that team. Um. There's no yeah. even in this game. What? When did they score their fucking goal? The ninety-first minute. Yeah, Damn. and that was that was after they felt a bit. Uh, you can kind of see where they're coming from. A bit aggrieved with 90th the ninetieth um, minute. Ninetieth minute. Yeah, they were a bit aggrieved with the handball as well. The the Kane goal. I do feel sorry for them in that sense because that is a it's it's a bullshit rule, you know. And VAR is applying it, but like you can't really you, you can't really like govern for that. You can't control that in that sense. So, like, to, to be penalised for it, I think, is a bit harsh. Um, but we have seen we have seen it being chopped off, so at least it's consistent in that way. But yeah, I mean... Like, you kind of see where they have a chip in the shoulder over it. Var, yeah, Vardare is consistent. However, as we'll probably talk about a bit later on, mm. Var has not been... Var has been consistent. It's been consistently fucking bad. Yeah, that's um, true. We will talk about that more in it, the, It's been fucking... It's so terrible. Um, but, yeah, I mean... They can complain about the referee's decisions and uh, all they want, but they didn't deserve it. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, Burpa, have you anything more to say about this game? Um, but they did manage to score a few times in this match, two of which were a little bit Sorry about the interference there, by the way. I, I accidentally poured a little flower over the soundboard, so um, the next few <laughs> clips are going to be very, very noisy indeed. But, um, but yeah, like, it, it's quite interesting the, the point she does make, though, because it's a kind of a story, of, a tale of two strikers, really, isn't it? Like, McGoldrick, who's, like, best kind of, like, attribute in this Sheffield team is the link-up play and just, like, getting those players, making space, making runs. With Kane, the, the story is that it has to go through him. And, like I said, like, as I was saying earlier on, like, he looks so slow, and he looks so out of, so unfit. Like it just seems like unfair to have him on the field. And granted, this is this is um, Spurs' own doing because who's their backup striker? They got rid of Lorente. They got rid of Janssen. Um, Troy Parrott is their like second choice striker, really, um, and they don't use him. So like it's it, to be fair, it's their own fault that they have like such a a slow strike force. And it's only like by virtue of the fact that Kane was there when like Mora tripped the ball in that like otherwise he wouldn't have fucking scored, you know? Yeah, well they're not creating either. You no, know, like that's if, it. If, they were, if they were like funneling huge amounts of ball to Kane and he was fucking blasting them all into Rose Ed. Mm. They're like, you know what? That team deserve a better striker, but I wouldn't be saying that because fuck them. Yeah. But, that's um, <laughs> do, you, do you get me? You'd have that kind of Thing, but like it's it's weird. He's profligate in a team. He's pro- sorry. He's profligate in a team that are expecting him to feed on scraps as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then you, you've you've not only you're not using a strength to out, out balance a weakness. You've just mm. doubled up on the weakness there. You know. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I think Mourinho is trying to use him in the same way that Mourinho used Drogba at Chelsea. In that. Yeah. He Drogba, he always plays a one up front. That's, that's always at, been a system. But Drogba at Chelsea fed on scraps. Mm. He did fuck off. He got nothing. He got shite ball. And I, I fucking hate Drogba. <laughs> <laughs> but he got absolutely garbage ball. But he made something of it because he was, he was quite talented. And that was a skill. You could give mm-hmm. him scraps. That's why when they switched over to Torres, it didn't work. Yeah. You need Torres is a silver platter footballer. He needs it lined up for him. And he yeah. was not getting that. So he couldn't do anything. And uh, unfortunately, Kane is, 
you know, he, he's playing, he's trying to play the Spurs team like he played his Chelsea team. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he doesn't have Drogba and Kane. He's got Torres. Yeah, no, that's that's a very f- fair assessment. And that's kind of been the theme of like Spurs going throughout the whole match days, really. Um, they do pick up a win later on in uh, against Everton, which we'll talk about it. We won't, really. It's a, it's a fucking horrible game. Um, oh, terrible. Spe- yeah, speaking of horrible games, is the one I'm going to talk about now, which is the uh, the clash of the titans. Second place Man City versus incumbent champions Liverpool. Um, City won 4-0. And uh, if you wanted to see what a team playing hangover football is like, oh, yeah. um, consult this match. Like, you know, you kind of always think, I wonder what would happen if a Premier League team went out there completely fucking rotted. Yeah. Look, I mean, thinking of Jägermeister. Mm, this mean, is it, like... like <laughs> proper fucking cider beards and everything on them. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly. It. They were just no. There was just like Klopp can complain and there everything, make all the excuses he wants. But his team were still hungover. Yeah, it was. We did. We honestly didn't give a fuck about this match. I mean, we now granted, like, um, I kind of made the point to someone else that like if we if it was like if the title was an issue, if this was like uh, if it was still in the balance somewhat. I still be inclined to think that like Man City could have beaten us by the same, by a, a similar scoreline, not four 0 or by any stretch of imagination, but like they would have beaten us comprehensively because that's kind of how games between us work, you know. Like when we're at home, we boss them, and when we're when they're at home, they boss us, and that's kind of the way the relationship is. It's very dumb sub um, football, if that's the best way of putting it. Like it's very bizarre. Does um, that count with no crowds? I would have thought with the no crowds and lockdown football that that wouldn't have really kicked in anymore. I'd say for for us at home, it would it would make a massive factor because let's face it, the best way to get into Man City's players' heads is to throw flares at their bus. And that <laughs> if there's one thing our fan base does, it's that really fucking well. Um, Man City fans, on the other hand, they're not a flares type of people. They're more of a oh we got what we got type of people. So that's the, that's the kind of like the different um, culture let's say, of the fans. Um, but at the same time, though, like, I would have believed that Man City could have beaten us regardless of the context, you know, because, like, they, at that moment in time, they would have been the better team. Um, and they still do have the better players than us. Like, I'm not deluding myself in that sense. But the difference between us is that we have a winning formula and they've lost it. Uh, and one game is not going to transform that. As we saw the week after, they completely wasted everything against Southampton. Um so in a way, I feel kind of vindicated by us, by them, kind of like gloating over, like in a footballing sense, gloating over us by saying like, "Oh, look at all the silky footballers we have. We got we got a penalty off you by by getting Sterling to be like basically groped by Joe Gomez, which was stupid, granted." Um, but even then, like the, the whole idea was like, "Oh, we got the Bruyne, we got Foden, we got." Uh, Sani, oh shit, he's gone. Okay, never mind him. We've got all these other players. I will admit, like, no, Foden has been a bit of a. I, I, I genuinely thought Foden was just going to wash out. I just, no, I did not. I did no, not. No, he I, is for real. He is yeah, for real. Absolutely. Um, hmm. If if you'd have posited this scenario, the Foden scenario to me a couple of months back, I'd have bet against it and I would have lost that bet. So I yeah. will say, they do have something to say about Foden. But man, like, you've lost the league. This is what it feels like. It feels like it's just like, it, it's kind of like a real kind of like, now do you love me daddy type of fucking um, match. <laughs> it's just like, it's like okay, like, like, this is Man City working through their issues 
and like Liverpool just going like we completely understand but you know hello hey lads yeah. you know this is their holding up the trophy like um, but like it, it was fine like I, I, I'm not too worried about it because like if anything it kind of did show that like like we're champions now here's the target on the back of the on our backs then we have to be like this every week but at the same time like this was a once-off, and I know it's a once-off because of how we responded against Brighton and, and, and Villa, teams who really do have something to fight for, and we still do give them a good game. Granted, and, and that's like that's a good game considering that we really do just want to end and just want to start partying. That's really just what we want to do. But we're working towards it. You know, it's like the it's like the Friday before the weekend type of situation where like we'll do we'll, we'll do our nine to five, we'll clock in, clock out, and then bam, right onto the fucking Jaegers after that. It's just the meantime, we had to just go through the motions and, and do this because we, let's face it, we've never had like a a, a champions te- a team that does champions this early. So it, it's fascinating from a, like a like a from a sort sports psychologist point of view, like how does a team go this long being champions but still kind of keeping themselves in like a a, a, a hungry mindset? And like the, the Man City one was a kind of a freak occurrence because Man City just like the shite out of each other practically to get the fucking ball and score goals and just like prove it to us that they are good so lads we know you're good like the issue isn't that like you're, you're good against us the issue is that you're shite against everyone else you lost to Norwich you lost to Southampton United twice Wolves twice like those are issues that you need to deal with you know like don't fucking give out to us like of course you're going to be game against us that's not the problem the problem is that when you're supposed to be like clinical winners against teams like that are supposed to dig in or counter-attack or whatever it is, you start fucking it up. And you have to see why you're doing that. That's your that's your homework for this season, is to figure out why suddenly you can't put these teams away when you normally should have been. And also, there's no real point in putting it up against the team that are still drunk from drinking out of the winner's trophy. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> all, it, all it is, is it, it's like, it, it is just a case of like, see, oh, see we're, we're still good. It's like, we know. Mm. We, we know <laughs> thank you for sharing um, but yeah like, either way it was, like, it was, we were in the game for like 20-25 minutes and then once they went 2-0 we said ah fuck it <laughs> it was just like ah go on is it alright we like, we like you really you know and then there's like rubbing like Pep's bald head like, oh, absolutely Alison is making Caprianas at half time man come on <laughs> come on come on, come on, come on man yeah, oh. that's, it, it was just, it was, it really was one drunk team against another team that were furious that they were the ones drinking. Yes, precisely. Um, it was, a des- it was the, the, guys ha- the guy's birthday party at the designated driver. That's what that was. <laughs> um, so that was the end of match day 2032. So moving on then to a couple of days later, match day 33. Starts off with a massive fucking win for Brighton against Norwich. Uh, huge. huge. Huge, yeah. Because this is like, when you really boil it down, this match and the next match after that is what relegates Norwich. Not a shock there. It's been coming. But this, these are the two nails in the coffin. Um, yeah. Especially uh, considering to, to, join, to join the uh, other 20-odd nails. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I, 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 like Brighton are a nice team. I like Brighton. I want Brighton to do well. Um, especially considering that they've done one of my favourite things ever which is to get a player whose name doesn't match their nationality. Um, they're <laughs> one of their loanees for years, like a, a player they, they've been trying to get, they've bought for years, but he couldn't get over because of work permit issues, is a guy called Alexis McAllister. And uh, he's Argentinian. 
That's which is like, just um, great. It's not like the Delaney guy who plays for fucking Sweden. Thomas Delaney, he plays for Denmark, Denmark, yeah. Oh, Denmark, 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 Yeah, because yes. he, he's Canadian, um, and he declared for Denmark when he's playing over there. Like Thomas Delaney. Oh, really? What nationality? Oh, he's Danish. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I beg your pardon. Do you want to run that by me again? No? Okay, we'll, we'll just move on then. Um, oh, shit, there's I mean, that fucking youth player we've got as well. Fuck, I think he's Swedish, and he's got the most un-Swedish fucking name. I'll look it up, hang on. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I mentioned them on one of our podcasts, actually. Yes, um, did. Continue, continue on, yeah. Brighton, I will, I will. Brighton, Brighton definitely needed this. It did. Holy and shit, did they need it. This is what makes them... This is what turns them safe, I think. Like, they, they got two massive wins, and that's really all they need because of the relative quality around them. Um, I just hope to do well. I, I like the Brighton team. I want them to do well. Um, and to be fair, like I actually do see them as a team we could loan players to. Like I can see us like loaning them a Groyich or Brewster next season and just watching those like players flourish because, like, granted the Graham Potter, he looks like a really fucking good coach and not like a an overhyped one like Eddie Howe. Like he seems like he knows what the fuck he's doing. And Brighton seemed to have a good structure there, you know. So I wish all the best for them because I will talk about them in the next match day. Um, Next up, though, is mine is my match of this uh, of this match day, which is the Man United Bournemouth game five two, um, <laughs> which is a mental scoreline considering. Uh, but yeah, it, I I, re- I briefly discussed about um, the kind of like duality of the of the United team uh, through Chelsea um, because I said to Chelsea they're all attacking no defense. United are in the exact same position right now where they have fixed the midfield, they've got the attack, like they know what they're doing with the, with the front three, and it's a very, very good front three. Like they've been stats to galore about like Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, and how many goals they're scoring. Again, very reminiscent of how we had our, like, our front three during the Brendan Rodgers years, and all, the, all Solskjaer really had to do was just get them to play on the same page and make it work. And to his credit, between himself, Michael Carrick, and John McKenna, they have got the midfield three working. Um, and it, and in turn, that's making the front tree work. The issue now is defence, and critically the goalkeeper as well. Uh, the real red flag for me was Harry Maguire in this match. Now, this should not be much luck <laughs> because, good God, to have spent that much money on Harry Maguire, you're going to be waiting a while to get that return. Um, I can get that he's young, I can get that he's English, and that kind of boosts up the price, but he's not worth that money. He's not that player. And the reason I can say that is because uh, the first Bournemouth goal was a Stanislas effort. And literally, Maguire, all he had to do was hoof the ball out. But he tries to coax it out of play, not realizing that Stanislas is there, and just like just like nutmegs him, and then scores just from like a, a degree angle from De Gea. And De Gea, to be fair, like, okay, granted, it's coming out fast and not realizing it. But it's not like De Gea to completely like fluff that either. So I think like, they both he, there. We, we were saying that. He, well, I was saying that he fluffed. He fluffed the the goal he conceded against Spurs. Yes, which was fired straight. Actually, went in off of him, um, and he just didn't react in time. And I was like, Ooh, you know, I think there's some real major cracks starting to show there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is it, like, and I think like the it was kind of noticeable in this game because like Bournemouth, like, like we we've spoken of Bournemouth, they are not in a good way. They are like a really, really bad team. If any, they're probably the worst team playing at the moment after the lockdown outside yeah, of Yeah, I was Norwich. about to say, they've not come out of the lockdown. Well, in all fairness, Norwich were 
fucked before the lockdown. Yeah, let's yeah, be honest yeah. with you. That's for sure. But um, yeah, Bournemouth really the the restart really fucked them up. Mm-hmm. Like, big time. And there's no real. Des- I don't see a major desire in that team to really get out of it. There's no team there. There's no. You don't see a lot of leadership really. Um, because they're all at the same age bracket, and, and the the senior like players just look fucked. Like they just they just look tired. They just want to go get go and retire, but could be fucking plumbers or something. Um. Especially like like Adam Smith and Steve Cook, who just look haggard. Um, but the, the the issue really is that even though this Bournemouth team are still like really really poor, United still managed to ship two goals, and one of them was because the defender was very negligent. The second was a bit with a bad luck on Bailey's ah. side, but it was still a handball, you know. Um, so in that sense, like I can I can kind of like you can kind of forgive them for the second goal. They still managed to put five past Bournemouth in the end because that's, that was the quality of the side. But again, like if we're people, this is a message to Man United fans to not get ahead of yourselves just yet. There's still a lot of work to do in that team. You, you may have a good def- attack and maybe have a good defence, or sorry, midfield, but teams are smarter than that. Teams will be yeah. able to bypass that. Once you, have, you go up against a, play, a team that's tactically well-drilled, like Liverpool, for example, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I'd even throw everything in there after another summer of Ancelotti, um, they they will be drilled much better. Yeah, Sheffield Fernand- Fernandez is not going to be able to run that kind of a rule over every team. Exactly, they will be able to mark Fernandez out of that team. And as much as you will try, like I know, like the, the plan B will be, oh, we'll just get Pogba to do the same job. Cool, mm-hmm. it'll be the same thing. You'll get a midfield. You get a midfield trap. People will 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 trap your midfield. You need something more. You need to be able to dig in games. Um, not a whole and lot just of width this, in that team. It's not. I, I, they're trying to get like Sean Wambasaka in a bit more. Wambasaka will do it. Like he, there's nothing wrong with that. Shaw is the issue. You know, <laughs> they don't. Shaw can't run. Um, just can't. Like I don't know yeah. what happened when they signed him because before they signed him, he was shit hot. He was shit hot. He, he, he was pegging it around the kip. Yeah, um, but fuck me. Like, at least from their point of view, Brandon Williams looks like a good, a good enough talent. Like you, could, you can give him a couple of games and he'll do good. And he has played well when he's come in. But like I, again, it's it's been kind of that print, that weird thing we we end up doing with Trent Alexander. Is that like do you really want to rely on a twenty year old like fullback? But it worked for us, so mm-hmm. who knows? Like I, who the fuck knows at this rate? And um, but definitely centre backs, you need to fucking sort that shit out. Like Maguire is not up to standard. Bailly is not up to standard. You're not getting Smalling back. I'd say Roma would want to keep him. Jones is not the standard. Uh, I don't think Smalling wants to come back. No, why not? Like he's been, he's been, he's been doing brilliantly in Italy. Yeah. Um, so like, why would he bother? Like they'd love him over there, bizarrely. Um, but even then, like that's the that's where they're at at the moment. So like that's the the next part of the plan now. Like the United fans should not be looking at like number tens. They shouldn't be looking at Sancho or Havertz. That's not the players they need right now. What they need is a keeper which they do have in Dean, Ander- Dean Henderson, what they do need now is centre-backs. And that's, that's who the, where their focus should be. Get good, really good, proper, no-nonsense centre-backs that will solidify that team and make them more serious. And I'd, add, I'd, can, add, a bit of, I'd add a bit of width. Yeah, add a bit of width, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, okay, so next up then is uh, Leicester 3, Palace 0. Um, Leicester just getting back on track, really. Uh, Vardy playing really, really well. Uh, kind of needed the goals, let's be fair, because he was on a bit of a dry spell. Um, just kind of a, a, a necessary win for Leicester, really, isn't it? Like they just needed a fucking. To get yeah, they needed the win, and let's face it, they couldn't find better supplicants in Palace. Yeah, exactly, 
exactly. Alex basically um, rolled over. They literally got to the got to the pitch and went. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> exactly. They're one of those few teams that are definitely on the beach. Like they they start the lockdown going. Oh, lads, I'm fucking knackered. Are you tired? Oh, I'd love I'd love a cup. I love a cup of tea. Like um, <laughs> exactly. You see the players at their drinks breaks and having to put away their banana daiquiris. <laughs> Exactly. Even Roy Hodgson's on the fucking espresso martinis, like, you know, Absolutely, just trying to stay yeah. awake. Um, Hoping they don't so yeah. angry, angry up his blood. Yes, exactly. And his poofy, poofy hair. Although he's, he's cut it now since uh, the barbers reopened. So, you know, oh, it's yeah. a shame. It's a pity. Uh, so, next up then is the Arsenal game of this fixture, and it's the 2 0 win against Wolves. Um, Burpa, you have uh, very smartly booked this uh, ahead of Neil. So, tell <laughs> us what you thought about this game. I was genuinely worried about Wolves versus Arsenal, but despite the 20-minute second-half storm defending uh, Wolves' onslaught, uh, we held out and we were brilliant. Our passing, our game plan were spot on. Um, Triori was obviously their key man in this game, and we marshaled his well to glass snapped the tank, and Kieran Tierney with his speed uh, really like, kept him quiet during the match. Um, in the second half, we had ABC made a mirroring what you got what you were saying in the Norwich game really about Tierney and uh, and just kind of the, the, the steel you've kind of developed over the last few matches it does help when you do know your best team now because that was kind of the issue like before the lockdown was that like the, you couldn't really settle on a, on a best 11 because of injuries and other shit going on now you do have a general idea how to get this team working it, yeah generally but I think also what what um Arteta's put is instilled is that uh, if you play well, you you'll get onto the pitch. Mm. So he's installed like he, he came in. He said everybody's got a clean slate. Um, what are you did before? I don't give a shit about. It's just here are my rules. Follow them, and you'll be on the pitch. Mm. And they've done that. And they, like he's seen like he's frozen Urzel out. Guendouzi's gone. I don't think he'd been gone by this point. Of this. Actually, you know you he was gone by this game. Yeah. So they see that, you know, um, Arteta, I mean, every fucking, um, every era has a needed kind of buzzword phrase, mm. you know, um, with Wenger was handbrake. Yes. <laughs> or, or there's so many of them over 21 years, 22. <laughs> um, so with Arteta, it's non-negotiable. So mm. he has a set of non-negotiables in that he will tolerate players kind of doing what they want to a point. But there's a line that he, he's like, no, you do not cross this line. And if you cross the line, you don't play. And it's very obvious that Urzel's not willing to do anything. And that Guendouzi has crossed the line multiple times. Hmm. Um, again, well, if you want, we'll discuss a bit about more about that more. But the players know that, like, I, I train my guts out. I work harder. I become a better player. I get played. Yeah. Simple. No, and that and that's just really fucking good for the players. And they again, it helps now that we've got some serious talent and they're all fit. Mm. And they're all really working for it. And because they know that I'm not passing it to some fucking jobber <laughs> <laughs> only in because he's getting three hundred K a week. I'm yeah. passing it to another guy who wants it more than the other guy who is meant to be in his position. Mm-hmm. If you get me. Yeah, when, when, I get the team, when the team plays for each other. You, you get that kind of sense. And that's what destiny with this team. And also, 
I think what this Wolves uh, game showed is just brilliant game management, which is why mm. most Arsenal fans were so fucking nervous because we've never had that before. Yeah. But, you know, in particular, how we managed to marshal Triore out of the game, you know. Which was a surprise, really. Like, um, I think Burke was going to talk about it later on, but, like, the Wolves team just, they, they, they slumped a little bit. And I think, I don't, know that, I don't think that's because, like, sorry, I should specify, that's not because of, like, Arsenal in that sense. Like, their performance is their performance. But, like, once, it, once you know, like, you've got them under control, the Wolves team didn't really kind of, like, change the agenda there. Like, you, you guys were kind of in the ascendancy throughout the entire game. Yeah, it's mad. Wolves have kind of, they've come with their own uh, flavour of high impact. And I mean mm. that seriously, because that's all you're going to get with Triore. And quite often that's all you'll need. The guy's built yeah. like a fucking, I, I watch, like I'm a Seahawks fan, I watch the NFL. <laughs> I, I, I don't see linebackers, I see linebackers who aren't that heavily built. Yeah. <laughs> and you move like that guy do. <laughs> like, he, he, he's a fucking beast. Uh, Jimenez, and having Jimenez feed him or feed off of him, it's brilliant. Jimenez is that kind of silky little. Jimenez is kind of one of those players where you look at wolves and you think oh, stealthy, stealthy striker like. It kind of is simply what we were. Uh, it's the same what we were talking about with Saint Maximin and Newcastle. You yeah. kind of look at you look at Jimenez and Wolves in the same way. You're going, how the fuck did he get him? Took anybody <laughs> else in for that guy? I don't, they didn't even notice it. Hello. Is this thing on? When they, they, they signed him, I, I, he wasn't subject to a bidding war. What the fuck? <laughs> He's fucking brilliant. Yeah, um, exactly. So there, there's kind of that. So they've got a re- they've come with their own really great flavour of football, and it's worked for them because nobody seems to be able to really adapt to it. But mm. now teams are, and it's now become apparent that they don't have a plan B. They don't have an alternate switch. Yeah, I think that's been the difference because now that they've had to rotate their squad a little bit, the dysfunction has kind of like developed a little bit. Now, dysfunction is the wrong word, obviously, but I mean that like they, they can't be as free-flowing as they normally are. Like they can't rely on a Triori or Neto or a Jota in some cases to just like a lot pick a defence. They do have to kind of work at a little bit more um, on, the co- on the cohesive side. Like they're still a very, very good team, and like oh, eventually they will get back into it. It's just in the interim when they need to, when they really do need to win games, and um, this is when they they do kind of need to to be consistent, and it just hasn't worked for them, and it won't work for them in the next match day. Um, <laughs> Burpa, what did you, uh, what else did you make of the match so far? What was weird about this is because Asaka had started out on the right, where he hasn't played the best mid football, but. Uh, rather than bringing back to that left back position, they brought on Ainsley Maitland Niles. Saka did really well out on that right. He got a goal in the first half with a fantastic half volley into the top of the net after a great bit of build up play from us. Um, he was doing bits out on the right in comparison to other matches where he's kind of struggled in that position, but Arteta gave him the time to really used it well. Uh, and Ainsley Maitland Niles came on and did a great job marching Triori out of the game in the second half. Like I said, Wolves had that kind of smell of 
I mean, it's kind of nail on the head there, really, just what you you were saying there with uh, with Burpa. So uh, it, it's that type of game that, like, it, like a couple of months ago, you would have lost against Wolves, really. Oh, yeah. You know, that's like yeah. the, an Emery side would have lost against Wolves and it would have been a massive surrender. But now that you do have the right players in, you have the right system in, and in a way, it kind of harbors back to that conversation I was having last uh, last week. And it's quite prophetic considering that, like, I kind of buried his last week. But uh, in a way, there is, like, at least some form of responsibility resonating with the team. And um, the players that aren't messers are not there. They're not being used. And, like, I'd, like, think Guendouzi with his age would kind of cop on to himself a little bit more. But at least now, like, there is, and again, this could all change in the cup in the next week, whenever you, whoever you're facing, but at least there does seem to be, like, some degree of responsibility from the team to work together because the system benefits that. It benefits having to be able to interchange and talk and, and, and communicate. And it's working now. It's still really working when we talk about the lesser game, um, even though you didn't get the result you wanted. But even then, like, there is, like, green shoots there for the Arsenal team, which is what you really wanted to see post-lockdown. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's brilliant. Um, I really, really fucking enjoyed this game. Mm. Saka's goal, by the way, was fan-fucking-tastic. It was good. Um, it was good. It started off with a fantastic manoeuvre, because I really have to talk about the way he scored the goal. Because <laughs> there was two passes in the build-up, then the cross. Mm. And Every single one of them took a mild deflection. So it was a bit of, um, I think it was Cedric to Aubameyang. And that yeah. got a bit of a touch on it. Then Aubameyang sprayed it out to Tierney. And then Tierney crossed it in and that cross got deflected. So it kind of skims off the, I think it skims off the arse of a Wolves player. Maybe, yeah. So Zach is actually perfectly positioned for the initial cross. So the ball with the skim it actually comes a bit from behind them. So he's to turn and hook his foot around and he manages to hook it right across the goal mm. and into the far course, the far part of the net. Pass, because Patricio, by the way, Patricio has actually positioned himself perfectly for it. Yeah. He's dead it was the center. hook he wasn't expecting. Yeah, it's dead center. But yeah, there's absolute swaz on it. Mm. Um, he's dead center. He's sighted the whole way and he goes full stretch for it and doesn't get anywhere near it. And I'm just like... <laughs> To do that, well, by the way, he doesn't hit it hard. He just literally hooks it round. Because if he hits that hard, that's going into fucking roll zero. Yeah, you know? precisely, yeah. Or he's blasting it wide. It's, it's not going into the fucking goal. So he just, the way he just takes that sweet touch to get around the keeper. And Patricio's a fantastic keeper. And that was actually the first, those, the two goals they conceded against us were the first goals they've conceded since the lockdown. Which is so bizarre because, like, when you kind of look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, shit, they haven't actually. They've been pretty no, they solid. Been but, like I said, different. this, this they're wobbled, I suppose, in that sense. Um, and, yeah, so yeah, I mean, well, they, they have another one. Yes, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I think. Um, but, yeah, no, like, fuck me, did we need this? Yeah, crucial. I mean, because they're, they were one place above us in the table. Mm. So, this was a six pointer if you want to really use that kind of wanky term, which I don't like it, but it definitely was. And shit, anything less than three points out of this was a fucking disaster. But no, yeah. it was calm, cool, collected. Emmy Martinez was fucking brilliant. Um, Jesus Christ, I genuinely think we've got one of the best goal goalkeeper one-twos in the 
league. Because uh, Martinez is fantastic. He's, so he's, he's, he's doing very well. I have to say, like, you, you don't really notice the... I, I know you do notice it with like the kind of the more like uh, specialized parts of the game, like the goal kicking and diving and all that. But even then, like he just for a number two keeper, he's just he's he's solid for what you need. No, you know? he's, he's also a complete package. Like there, there's very real talk about him keeping Leno out because who knows? Who knows? He's got the same reactions. He's taller than Leno, um, mm. six foot four, brilliant on the crosses. Really grabs the ball. Fucking really can pluck it out of the air. You know, like some goalkeeper is like fucking sweeping Black. the ball out of the air. Mm. You're like, yeah, get that fucker. Um, great reactions, brilliant bravery, can rush a player very fucking well. Troy already threw one-on-one uh, in one instance. Yeah, and Mark crashed into him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, was after, that was after 20 seconds when he bluters the ball straight at Martinez. But later on, when Troy gets put through one-on-one again, Mm. Martinez rushes him and Troy it's one where he tries to chip him and winds up yeah. chipping the entire goal like if you mm. actually took the goal and moved it back five yards he still would make it that in. yeah <laughs> and uh, it was brilliant people were like ooh if Troy could finish you were fucked I was like no look at how he's rushed him it's brilliant mm. he's cut off every angle he's coming yeah. tall he's six foot four that's a big ass guy to run at to rush yeah, yeah. Um, so he's left Troy on his off foot because Traore is left foot. Oh no, he's right foot. So yeah, he's on his own foot. He's left Traore with the awkward position of trying to chip it across the goal over yeah. this big motherfucker. And he's fluffed it. So, it, no, it, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And for once, like all this season and last season as well, I haven't really been worried about Arsenal's goalkeeping, which is very fucking weird for me. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it feel nice. Doesn't it feel it, nice? It, it's, a, it's a good feeling. It does. But also in backup stages as well. Like Martinez was always good. We're really getting to see how fucking great he is. And he's fantastic. And like there is serious talk. Leno is looking to come back in prior to the end of the season. I don't think he'll make it. Um, Maybe if if we we get a full FA Cup run, maybe he'll be eligible for a match. But I don't think he'll be getting into the team. Interesting. Interesting. We'll watch the space in that one. There's going to be a serious dogfight for those two positions because Martinez. The thing about it is that Martinez also has far superior ball distribution with it at his feet. Given that they have up. said about him that he's very, very good. He's great. Distributing, yeah. He's great kicking. It's not just a short game. He can punt the ball onto a fucking ten pence. Yeah. Um, which is far, I th- I maybe he he in an interview he has claimed that it's due to the fact he he is Argentine. But mm. it's like he he'll always be playing as an outfield player, or he's got the same kind of skill set as an outfield player. Yeah, and with Arteta being this kind of a pupil of the Pep school, that might mm. count towards him. I'm like the the German Leno without the ball distribution mm. kind of. I used to say, well, I, that's going to be an interesting one. Me personally, as a goalkeeper and also as an Arsenal fan, I'm going to be actually. That's the one thing I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we'll watch the space and see how it goes. Um, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, some some more uh, fixtures to talk about here. Um, a few regulation wins. It has to be said. Chelsea three, Watford nil. Just a good result from Chelsea. Like, like uh, we kind of like touched that upon it uh, in other games, but like just when Chelsea are on it, they're on it. Yeah, it's a real lads. It's Watford. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. No, I'm steady kind of Watford fans, but. Did any of them really think they were going to get anything out of this? 
really? <laughs> Let's be fair. Um, they're picking their battles, which is what most of the small teams kind of have to do. Um, well, they, they definitely have to do post the uh, post the restart. Yes, they've all, precisely. Kind of second, they've all been given a kind of second chance tonight. You can tell which teams, which of the smaller teams, have decided. Look, lads, let's get realistic. They've had that. Con- they've had the conversation. Yes, they have and, the talk. Yeah, and what other teams are like haven't. Yes. Yes. Very true. That, that that's quite obvious. Which teams have gotten real about their situations and which ones haven't? Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, Burnley won. Sheffield won. Was certainly a game that happened. Uh, so was Newcastle two, West Ham two, uh, which is a bit of a, a bit of fun actually. It has to be said, um, like Newcastle doing that thing where they just like they just annoy teams. It's like, hey, we scored. Oh fuck, John Joe Shelby equalised. Will you stop doing that? <laughs> Honestly, dude, take a hint. Yeah. And it's like, again, there was not much else to say about this game. It was just a bit of fun if you wanted to watch it. And um, again, another goal for Almiron, two and three and two, I think, or three and three, I think it is for him now. Um, really kicking on. Uh, and then it was a regulation win for us against Villa. Uh, I suppose it, it doesn't quite reflect the performance of Villa. They were very, they were quite good. They were quite stubborn. Um, and the first like half, we were, I wouldn't say leggy. I think we were just kind of like patient, if that's the right word to use. Just kind of just kept the ball, didn't really do much with it. And then just in the second gear, second half, uh, we brought on Firmino. That made all the difference. But the reason people are talking about this game is because of Keita. Um, because uh, I, I mentioned this uh, over the week, but uh, have you heard about signing Thiago? Um, that's according to <laughs> Liverpool Twitter and no one else. No one else has said that we're signing Thiago oh except for Liverpool Twitter. And right I don't here. understand what the excitement is. Right here, take this, right, multiply it by about a thousand and you're not anywhere close to what it's like to be an Arsenal fan and any transfer fucking window. But I now don't you, understand. Now you, now you Why are people our, excited? Now you How know our pain. Work? Now you know our pain. <sighs> okay. So basically, um, a very like close contender for my card was Liverpool Twitter because they turned on James Pierce, who's the equivalent of the Ornacle. And you yeah. just don't do that. Like that's nonsense. Because he basically put out a very, very good article about why Naby Keita proves that you don't need a new midfield option. And Again, the evidence was the, the assist for the Mane goal because he did this thing where he did that kind of like a, like what he see, like a true, I think it's called true vision, where they say like, here's what Naby Keita saw at this time when he was making that pass. Yeah. And you can't see Sadio Mane. He is behind Conte. Or was it Conte? I think it was Conte. So he's right behind him. You can't see Mane. But the fact is that Keita knows, anticipating that Conte will move, but Mane will stop. Like, like Manny's waiting to receive the ball, but he knows the centre-back's going to try and track his movement to the far post. Manny has stopped. And that communication from, like, 15, 20 yards away, Keita just, like, drives the ball centrally, and Manny just buries it. But the, it's, it's the vision is the thing, because that's what people have been kind of querying about our midfield, is that do you have anyone with actual vision, a, a flair, a, a, a playmaker in you to do that? And people in the know have always said, it's Keita. And then people have been got people like people who've watched going like mm, I don't know man I still he's not Coutinho it's like no no he's not meant to be Coutinho he's meant to do everything in that midfield like the like people have called him a complete midfielder because like one minute he could be playing in an assist for a goal and the next time he's like making a goal line clearance that's his game it's very much like a, a, a kind of like a, a specialized Kante in that way um. But like 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 Keita has like shown in the last two games, because I'm gonna speak more about this in the Brighton game, why 
people are hyped about him, why we spent money on him. It hasn't worked for him because of, of injuries. But now, once he's actually in the team and getting that run, you can see why people rate him so well. Because he's so fucking good. And that's the re- this is the reason why. Because he's been able to show that sort of, that sort of um, creativity when, for a Liverpool midfield, we've been kind of criticised for it, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's just... It's, it's an unusual one. Uh, because isn't it? I think the... I think what's unusual is that it's so nonsensical. Yeah, I, I believe it's, it's irrational. It's a completely irrational story. Yeah, it, it's completely irrational. There's not even like a shred of kind of. Oh well, maybe he might fit in here if we, you know, switch to five in midfield. I was like, no, there's literally no setup that Liverpool can have where hmm. he usurps Keita, and you're like, not even not even usurps Keita, but not even usurps when Aldum like. He yeah, doesn't have yeah. the same industry. He doesn't have the same work rate. He's certainly going to dislodge Henderson or Fabinho. Fabinho is the fucking heat sink. We're not getting rid of him. So, like, why, why bother with that sort of thing? You need, you need those kind of, like, rotational players. And, like, when you have, like, rotational players like Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain, you don't need a Thiago because, like, they're not... It's, it's he, horse for horses. He's not a squad player. He, no. Like he ain't a squad player. He's not sitting on no bench. Like. I was about to say, like, this is horses for courses here. Like, you need, like... If you, if you need a Shaqiri or Oxley chamberlain that's who you bring in. But, like, Thiago would need to play every game to make sense, and that just upsets the balance then. You know, it, it, the, the, the direction of play then is different. So, um, where being cesspooled at it, it is. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, uh, Neil, this is your turn. Southampton <laughs> won Man City nil. Talk to me about Man City losing to our feeder club. Oh, man, it was fucking brilliant. I mean, it's one thing to lose 1-0 uh, to this, but to lose... I mean, funnily enough, if, if you were one of the few generous... If you're being a generous fan, mm. claiming that, like, if you're going to lose 1-0, you want to lose to a goal like this. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fucking hell. <laughs> 40 yards. <laughs> it, it's basically just punished a whole load of hubris. Man City yes. tried to play it out. Ederson, I don't know what he's doing, right? Because like, all the criticisms about his goalkeeping, you know, one of the main things nobody's ever really slagged them off about was the fact that, is that he's a good ball player, like, at his feet. So he, he runs to the edge of his box and passes it out, but then doesn't immediately track back. He stays mm. there as the kind of... Now, I understand the reason why, in case he needs to come, the ball is going to come back at him, but the person he passes it to isn't being closed down, isn't being marked. Yeah. I don't understand why he thinks, oh, no, no, he, he might need to pass it back to me. I was like, no, he's not under any pressure whatsoever. He could have a cup of tea before the fucking midfielder gets to him. That's how far back Southampton were sitting, even at that early point. I think Jay Adams scored in, what, like 15th? Something about along those lines, yeah. About 20 minutes, I think it was. He scored before the first drinks break, definitely, anyway. Yeah. And... Um, so I'm like, he's not being he's not being closed down at all. Hmm. So um, why do why he why he saw the need to be an outball for a player that's not under pressure is beyond me. And then Julie, that player, fucks. I don't know who it was, but Julie, I think it was Mendy. I think it was Mendy. Fucks the pass, and yeah. it goes straight to Adams, who's forty yards out, and he just fucking bends the ball. <laughs> Like the spa, yeah. the chip, 
the fucking height, the ah, oh, it was just fucking brilliant. He also also Jason did that really funny thing whereby this is kind of Schadenfreude for from a goalkeeper, um, but it's that thing where a backpedaling goalkeeper he knows the ball's been chipped, yes, and he turns to run, and there's a point where the ball actually goes over his head, and he realizes he's not going to get to it, so he kind of stops midway with his run and goes ah. Oh, Fuck. <laughs> I'm not going to hear the end of this. But the dejection in his face, I'm like, ha ha ha, yeah, fucking cunt. Um, <laughs> so he did that really, really well, which I yeah. liked. And then it was fucking kitchen sink shit. Mm. <laughs> and surprisingly, uh, it didn't work. They, like, have, like, they, they, they had so many fucking shots and it just did not resonate. Like, it just didn't click. Well, for whatever enough, reason, they didn't, have, they didn't have a tremendous amount on target. They had twenty no. off target. They had twenty six shots in total, and only six of them were on target. Um, funnily enough, um, Southampton had four on target themselves, so it wasn't as yeah. if they like they scored one goal in the sixteenth minute. Sorry, I was just looking it up. Sixteenth minute. So um, it wasn't as if they they scored in the sixteenth minute and then like it was eleven behind the ball, you know. Mm. Um. They really put. They could have scored more than one. Yeah, against they City. But um, it got to a point where City were really turning the heat up, and um, they just fucking they just went right, lads. You know, it's now it's the grindstone time. Like City wound ended up the game with thirteen corners and seventy four percent of possession. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, that's that's just pretty much it. It, it was just a brilliant piece of defending um a brilliant a brilliant piece of arrogance is what i'd say because yeah it was yeah hubris is exact word because this is man city fans like you know they had puffed out their their chest with the four nail smashing of liverpool and going like oh like again like they if he's if he's ever watched a paddy power fan and all this was that in a nutshell because like oh (laughs) this is our season starting now champions league final that's way oh no you can't get back. you can't get one goal against the Hampton, the worst home team in the league by a country mile. Not even as bad as Norwich. Oh wait, what happened to Norwich? <laughs> oh yeah, we lost a damn at home as, away as well. Shit, these are the games we're really bad at. And again, like it's like what is? It, it, is it just hubris? It's just the fact that they think they can just run like true small teams like this, and um, presuming that it's just a matter of fucking, uh, like assuming that you are the better team and they'll just fuck up eventually? Or is it just a case of just, like, these are just freak accidents? It's, it's kind of hard for me to say at this rate. Well, if it is a freak accident, it's been happening quite fucking often because they've lost yeah. nine times. This is it, like. Um, he, it's just... Uh, I think it was a bit of hubris, you know? I mean, mm. Aderson probably didn't even real... Again, like, Aderson probably just was like, man, I'll just hang around at the edge of my box, you know, because <laughs> they're not going to fucking do anything, you know? Yeah, it's complacency then, at the end, isn't it? It really was, because there was no point in Mendy's past that looked like it was going to where he thought it was going to go. Yeah. So at that point, when you realised that the guys fucked the past, you run back. Mm. And you go, oh, shit. Um, I, I should really get back, but no. Um, no, never happened. Never happened, and then to just get couldn't get through stalwart, result, you know, resolute defending. Um, but also they managed to restrict a lot of the shots. Mm. Um, so just fucking City were reduced, blew through into the very, very empty stands, and 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it, I think yeah. they came close. I think Fernandinho hit the post. Yeah, that was it, I think. But that was it. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think McCarthy, McCarthy did make a very good save off a David Silva header. But, you know, mm. I mean, like, that just shows you just how fucking all aboard attack Man City where David Silva was winning headers. <laughs> yeah. Was he on fucking uh, Garcia's shoulders or something, was he? That's, or... like, being, that's like being out-jumped by the grass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Fair, yeah. It's fair. So, but th- that's just it. I mean, like, in all fairness, you can say a lot about this match, but one thing you cannot say was that Southampton did not deserve to win. They fucking did. Yeah. Defensive masterclass, as they say. Yeah. Um, and what get... a goal. What a goal. And that was his thing. Yeah. That's his that, first goal. That was his first goal in the Premier League, yeah. I don't think it was necessarily his day. Well, maybe, maybe his first start, but he was certainly like his first goal. No, no, goal. no. His 30 day, I meant debut, not debut. Jesus, his first, his opening goal. Yeah. Blah, blah, What a fucking goal to open your account. Exactly. There, exactly. What a goal. <laughs> liquid football. Um, what was uh, liquid football was well, a game against. Yeah, uh, uh, he said the line, Bert. Um, uh, what wasn't liquid football was Spurs versus Everton, which we're not going to talk about. Uh, I will say one thing. For Everton to go beating Leicester 2-1, then to go losing to this abject Spurs team. And an own goal as well. Like <laughs> every, person I know who, every person I know who's watched this match has turned around and went, 90 minutes and not getting back. Yeah. They just That's it. They're just like, no, I, I just can't. And even 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 like the couple of Spurs fans I know, I'm like you realise you walked away with three very necessary points for them. Mm. So like at this stage, when you get given gifts, you, you can't really complain. But even then they were still going, that was fucking traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was exactly. And like I, just a sign of things to come, unfortunately, as we get into match day thirty four. Well, uh, for them, yeah. Yeah, 